0: Hey, what's going on? This is Jeremy Thome, Marketing Director of 3PL Systems and host of 3PL Live. I'm excited to share an interview with Rob Light. He's the CEO and founder of Carrier Source. Carrier Source is a Yelp like review site similar to, to Yelp for truckload carriers. So truckload carriers could be re- reviewed by crowdsourced data from people that are actually using the carriers. And then if it's a good or bad review, the carrier could also go in there and interact with uh, people that are using their carrier. It's a really interesting interview. We talk about how Rob ended up getting a friends and family uh, capital raise. So they raised just a little under a million bucks. It's a pretty interesting company. A lot of the them came from G2, the founding team. So super interesting interview. Hope you enjoy. Also, we are looking for sponsors for the show in the beginning of the intro of the show or possibly the end. Um, and then if you're also interested in creating your own show with us, that's an option as well. Anyways, hope you enjoy. Hey Rob, uh, thanks for coming on to 3PL Live. I'm excited to talk to you about your company, Carrier Source. So for those that don't know you, would you mind just giving me a little bit of high level? I know you came from G2, so can you kind of explain how G2 kind of came up with the idea for your new company, Carrier Source?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Jeremy. I was an early employee at g2.com, which is a review website for B2B software. So they would collect reviews so that software buyers had a better understanding of the the products they were purchasing. Mm -hmm. Um, And being an early employee there, I I learned the value of that transparency and the value of recognition from peers, right? If you were going to purchase a CRM, who are you going to talk to? But your other at other companies who are in sales, right? And using CRMs or Mm -hmm. you're looking for a marketing automation tool, you're going to reach out to your your other marketing peers. And so that concept of crowdsourcing that information for the good of the industry really influenced what we want to do with carrier source here, which is starting out by collecting reviews of of freight carriers, right? So that brokers and shippers have a better understanding of the, the carriers that they're working with. And at the same time too, peer reviews have a ton of value to to companies that, that are being reviewed, right? It, it, it's a really interesting and unique way to stand out amongst the crowd, and especially in an industry like logistics, where there are a lot of freight carriers that exist, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's a way to kind of elevate yourself, show a certain level of professionalism, and, and what better way to promote your business than by the voice of the customers that you've been working with.
0: That's totally fair. Yeah. I, I feel like I always, anytime I'm looking for like a place to eat or just anything in general, I'm always constantly looking at reviews and figuring out, and you know, I'll look at like the, I'll look at like the worst ones, the best ones and kind of get like an average to see like what's going on. Cause you know, sometimes I feel like sometimes people will just be jerks. And then other times people, will you kind of look yet the, the averages, you know, to see like what's kind of happening, but I totally agree with what you're saying. It seems like the carrier truckload space, especially it's what like, there's hundreds of thousands of trucks, and then a lot of them have less than five trucks say so it's a very fragmented market. Uh, So what kind of like reviews so it's reviews for the truck for any carrier is that kind of the goal. We have a profile page for every freight carrier
1: out there. If you're federally registered, uh, we create a profile page for you. And on that page, we include a little bit more information as well. So we've got contact information on there. We've got some fleet details that we pull from the FMCSA. So number of of trucks, owned or leased, tractors, trailers, right? So we, we have some further fleet details there. We also provide safety and insurance information that we update daily from the FMCSA. Really, so that if a carrier sales rep or a shipper is looking at this profile, they get a quick overview to in terms of understanding the carrier to the point where they feel comfortable booking them or, or at least giving them a call to see if if they're interested yeah. in working together right And we put that side by side with these reviews. We do have a a scoring mechanism as well that is entirely influenced by the reviews. We have no no part of that we We put the algorithm together based on the re- And the goal is to give brokers and shippers a more curated list of carriers to call upon, right? I think historically, carrier sales reps have often used databases that are just general databases, right? It it may give you all the carriers within a a certain radius of, of a city that you're looking to hire a carrier out of, right? With this scoring and the reviews itself we aim to give a, a list to call down so that you can be contacting the premier carriers first or or the most
0: peer-approved carriers first. I have never done carrier sales. I've actually worked at a freight brokerage years ago, but I was more on the, the customer sales side. So I was actually going out there and finding shippers to kind of bring the product back to try to get freight from them. I know that a lot of people in the freight industry obviously know what carrier sales is. It's mainly like to go out and find carriers for capacity but like what, what are, where are these guys going? Like are girls or guys going, like where do they, like what's a day in the life of these people? They're going out and going to like a load board or they're going to like Google and typing in the lanes or like what, what have you guys found out from your research? So I think it
1: depends on the size of the brokerage that you're you're talking to, right? So the, the really big, large brokerages, especially those that have been around for some time, will have pretty robust internal databases. And, and that's great, right? Like they've, they've been around for decades. They've probably had somebody call on every single carrier out there. Sure. Um, they probably use their internal systems first before seeking external mm-hmm. uh, databases or, or load boards in, in that sense. Plenty of spot freight brokerages are primarily using load boards and posting freight and and getting connected to carriers that way. They may book a few loads through the load board and then they kind of call them and say, okay, this has been good. You should just work with us and and we can cut out the load board here and and work together outside of it. Mm -hmm. But then there are lots of medium, small brokerages that may be using certain compliance tools as databases to find carriers because... That's historically what's existed. They may be doing some Googling. They're probably using some load boards here and there, but it's largely, you're kind of on your own at that point, right? in order to understand the type of equipment they have, the type of shipments they run, the, the areas that they service, or specific lanes that they're trying to run, you gotta give them a call. You gotta talk to them. You gotta ask them those questions. And so our goal a little bit here too is to unlock some of that data. So our reviews collect all of that information. We also allow every carrier to come in and, and own their profile page. That's our goal at the end of the day. We want mm-hmm. them to maintain that and update some information there too. So they can input what type of equipment they have, what type of shipments are they running? They can write a description of their business too. So if they they run specific lanes, they do a certain specialized service, they can put that very prominently on their page. And anybody coming to, to learn more about them knows right away what they can do for you. Are they worth giving a phone call? Can they help me fulfill my customers freight here so
0: i could see uh, this being actually really useful too like after you guys start getting a lot of this data just like linking into like other systems like through like an api or something like that just other tms's or is that kind of maybe part of the plan initial thinking into the future
1: yeah and it's actually kind of on our, our more near roadmap than then uh, we initially thought because yeah, a lot yeah. of the big brokerages, right? Like they, they want to push this information into their internal systems as another data source or mm-hmm. we're in preliminary conversations with plenty of third-party vendors as well, who could gain value from displaying carrier source scores, reviews in their system, just to give further context to who the carriers are, or even the descriptions that we're collecting, right? Like
0: that, that has value elsewhere as well. So it's definitely on our, in our plan. It's very interesting. How do you actually get the people, I mean, incentivize. Is there a way to, I know that once something gets rolling, it's probably easier for the reviews to start coming in, but as you're starting out initially, like, how do you get traction with, like, people to actually, like, to nudge them to write reviews?
1: So it's interesting there's a lot of very passionate people in the logistics space right and and that's, fair. that's when <laughs> that's when most organic reviews come in is when you've had either a really great experience and you want to tout the the carrier that you worked with and really pay it forward in the form of a review there's also plenty of times where things did not go well and you had a poor experience and and you may be angry and you're going to come in and you're going to provide that feedback as well. And so that's how we see most of our organic reviews come in. But then we also do incentivize for reviews. So we, we do reach out to to users who've signed up, brokers who've signed up, shippers who've signed up on our site. And we will reach out. We'll offer them a $5 gift card if they leave a review of the, you know, the most recent carriers that they booked or, or worked with. And so we do incentivize for quite a few reviews. And, and we are growing the review base pretty steadily here. We crossed. 10,000 reviews uh, a couple of weeks
0: back. And oh, wow. we're, pushing forward, we're, we're pushing forward pretty quickly there. So we're really excited about scaling that out. How do you also like, is there like a go-to-market strategy or just some some channels that you're, were you guys like finding, or how did you guys get to that 10,000? Like, how did you guys accomplish that?
1: So it was a lot of outreach. What I think is really cool though, is all of our, our, our site is free for for brokers and shippers to use and it's open to. So if you're Googling the name of any carrier, carrier source profile page probably pops up on the first page of Google. Our SEO is pretty strong and we're growing that as well. Mm-hmm. And so you can click and, and come into the site for free to learn about carriers. And so that's really how we our, our traction originally started. And our site traffic picked up very quickly. We were able to capture a lot of users through that, which, which is something that I wasn't mm-hmm. initially expecting, but it makes sense given that there's, you know, 400,000 active freight carriers out there. Right. And and we have profile pages for all of them. And, and so even if you know, they're only coming to half of those every month, that's still quite a bit of, tra- of traffic coming to the site. And so it, it helped us spur along early.
0: Yeah. I, I don't. And as far as I know that with certain like other programs, like Yelp, for example, it doesn't seem like every review comes up. Is that common? Like where like algorithm might only just do like part of the reviews or maybe like every couple of reviews or I'm just curious, like from your perspective, is that something that happens or is, or is every review supposed to be shown at first?
1: We do have a pretty rigorous moderation process. So the review has to be published for it to appear. It may it may take us a day to get to it because we actually read every review that comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's part of our moderation process. And we really learned that at G2, that having that human element of being able to read that review, confirm that it's a useful review, even if it's a really positive review and all it says is, carrier is good, nothing bad, right? Like that's not helpful to anybody. You, sure. need, you need some context there. Like why sure. were they good? give us some more information? We will reject reviews, but, but once a review is published, it's, it's up there. It usually takes us a day or two to get to it. I, I think it's really important to have that data quality, to have that moderation process, and also to ensure that, that it's in line with our terms of, of use and it's not violating any of our, our policies when it comes to what you you're putting in that user submitted content.
0: So it's fair. Yeah. Do they, also do these carrier, I, if there is like, let's just say like a scathing review for like one of these carriers and like they want to defend themselves, do they, are they, are they allowed to go back in there and like kind of like rebuttal and just kind of give their part?
1: Yeah, for free, you can come in and, and respond to any review you've gotten. And we really do encourage carriers to do that. The The carriers that we work closely with, whether it's a good review or a bad review, we insist on responding just because it shows a certain level of customer support, a certain level of professionalism. And I've talked about this a lot, but a negative review is a real opportunity to show your your high level of customer support and whether or not in the logistics space, it was your fault. Like there's a lot of blame game that, that tends to happen. Right. But If you do get that negative review to respond in a positive way and to have that so forward facing and to take the high road in certain circumstances shows that you're ready to do business you care about your reputation you care about the the service that you provide to your customers and brokers, and if you've got nine positive reviews and one negative review and you responded to that negative review in a great way, like that's an awesome profile, right? So at the end of the day, volume and, and the amount of reviews you have will will win in terms of your reputation. So a couple bad reviews here or there is not the end of the world.
0: Yeah, that's totally fair. I think a lot of people too are probably a little terrified about like looking at their reviews, you know, cause obviously you want the good ones but the bad ones come as well. It's a really good point you made though. Cause I do feel like when I do see like a bad review let's just say like on a restaurant I'll look to see if like the company actually responded and you'll, you could tell like sometimes a company might be very competitive and they're just it's all about making the, the person wrong instead of like you mentioned taking the high road and just sort of owning the fact that your experience was messed up for whatever reason and then just apologizing and just trying to make it right and it's it's really interesting that you say that because I think that that I don't know that that takes a skill in order to to do that but I, I like what you said there do you, do you find that a lot of people do go in there and try to rebuttal or is that it's a good policy to do it though like if you were if you were to recommend it would would you recommend just how would you recommend that the people, the carrier talk to the people, or if it's a bad review, how would you recommend they do it? Like take the high road, anything else?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think taking the high road, it definitely takes a certain level of patience, especially if it's not your fault and you're, you're, you're getting blamed for something that, that you couldn't control or, you know, the, the situation might be contorted the review because the person on the other end is upset for whatever reason and it really wasn't as big as of a deal as they're making it out to be so there's a ton of patience that goes into taking the high road in that circumstance right yeah um we only allow for one response we are not a forum this is not a back and forth right and so within that one response to just either apologize or to explain what happened express your your gratitude for them working with you in the first place there's a few kind of common customer support things you can do, but but really just be a human. And, and at the end of the day, I think that's what carrier source helps a lot of carriers with is show the humanization on the other side of, of owner operators, small fleets, that they're, they're just people as well. And so I think um, adding that human element into it is is really important.
0: And then are you guys doing like, uh, is it kind of like a CRM too where you're gathering like lane data as well? Or is it mainly just like reviews? So we are gathering lane data. So within
1: each review, we do ask pickup and drop-off locations. You can add multiple lanes if you've used that carrier a number of times for different for different lanes. And, and then as well, we allow carriers to put in the states or the regions that they service, as well as any location they might have a terminal, and any specific lanes that they're trying to to run. You know, we have some smaller fleets that are just looking for a really specific backhaul, and they might just put in that one lane that they're looking for. And we, we do allow users who are signed up to bookmark carriers or keep notes on carriers as well. They can build custom lists. So if you're looking for Laredo to Chicago and, and you find a number of carriers that that can run that lane for you, you can put them all into one list. You could keep notes on their rates or who the right driver to contact is or the, the right dispatcher to talk to. And, and you can kind of keep a mini yeah like carrier relationship management tool within carrier source, and it's unique to the individual too. So I know certain reps to the chagrin of their VPs of sales might keep you know some spreadsheets to themselves or or keep some personal information too on who they're working with. and so they can do that internally within carrier source.
0: Does it seem like It seems like this is kind of a theme that I've noticed that a lot of brokers or carrier sales reps or people that are looking for capacity in general tend to do this like tribal knowledge kind of play where it's just like it's all in their head or on a spreadsheet. You find that to be the case too and it seems like there's this like push to digitize that information, that tribal knowledge, would you echo that? Totally.
1: So many individual carrier reps that I've spoken with still keep a spreadsheet on the side outside of their internal database, right? Which is where the higher ups want all of the data to be. Mm -hmm. And despite that, these reps still keep these side spreadsheets or or notes in their notebook, right? Of the actual phone numbers of of a carrier to contact or the number of different types of equipment that they have. And so I do think we can, carrier source can help with that a little bit as kind of being the database of this information, right? And it's coming from all these different sources. We are really crowdsourcing this kind of comprehensive carrier database. I think at the end of the day, when we talk about pushing our data into brokerage systems, it's it's a way to kind of combat that a little bit, right? If if someone's leaving you a review, but they're not submitting that, that same data into their internal system, they're going to get it anyway. So
0: so I, I love the idea for all this. So how did I love entrepreneurship as well? So how did you come across this idea to to do this review for reviews for um, carriers? Because I think it's a great idea, but how did you do that from like G2 and how did the idea spark?
1: Yeah, around the, the time of one of our bigger funding rounds at G2, I had a buddy come to me who'd been a 3PL carrier sales rep for, for a decade and, and asked, G2 is raising a lot of money. That's exciting. What do you all do? And I explained it to him, right? And when I started talking about the reviews and the transparency we were providing to buyers, the wheels really started turning for him. And and he um, kind of said, you know, if I had reviews of of freight carriers, my life would be a whole lot easier. And that stuck with me for a really long time. But I think what really motivated me to leave G2 at the beginning of a pandemic and and pursue this full time was talking with carriers and understanding that they really don't have much of a voice a lot of times right and and they don't have an outlet for positive feedback and they don't have a way to share with the world who they are and and what they're all about allowing them to own their profile pages write that description get those reviews and that positive recognition and build a reputation is really what took hold and and made me think that this was a really worthwhile endeavor
0: how long did it, like, was the idea from the time that your, your friend approached you and kind of talked about that. to the time it was like marinating until you we were like actually trying to go produce like a MVP. We let it marinate for a while.
1: We started to build an MVP towards the end of 2019. That's when we first actually contracted the Harvard Student Agency. We looked That's around for awesome. consultancies. <laughs> and, and, yeah, it was great. And, and I highly recommend them to, to anybody who asks about them. We, we, we get references sometimes. But they're, they're undergraduates, and they act as a development agency, and so they were able to do design development for us, and they started that at the beginning of 2019. Uh, the pandemic hit, that slowed them down significantly, considering that these students could no longer stay at Harvard, and they were from all over the world, right? So suddenly our project managers in Singapore and the developers are kind of all over the place. They're no longer in the same office every day working on the projects together. That being said, they handled it extremely professionally. I thought they were, they were awesome to work with and, and cost effective, right? They are
0: <laughs> compared
1: awesome. to, you know, low consultancies in Chicago here, which would, we're charging well into six figures, right? We were able to do it for, for much less than that. We worked with them for almost a year. Until it kind of became too big and, and a little bit unruly for them, they were losing some some capacity on their development side because of the pandemic. Some students were deferring for a year. If they did that, they couldn't work for the agency any longer. So we actually ended up hiring one of those students on for for a year, and and he was fantastic as well. We we hired him on outside, and and he did development work for us for for a year.
0: Oh wow, that's super cool. And then when you're going into those conversations, like, do you just have a bunch of conversations with these students to figure out like what they need to build or how does that look like a lot of specking out
1: it's very similar to if you were building any sort of product internally it is a lot of product requirement documents talking through use cases user research forwarding on user research that we have lots of feedback and iterations right from design to actual build and it's interesting i think a lot of the the students hadn't probably worked on something quite as complex as what we were building. And so I do think that they they got a kick out of it and really enjoyed working on the project because it was a little bit bigger than maybe, you know, some of the mobile apps that they'd worked on or or I don't think they get B2B projects very often. So it it was cool for them.
0: I thought I saw on your LinkedIn that you guys raised capital. Is that is that how did how did that go? Like was that how was that experience in how did you prepare for it? Towards the end of last summer, traction was picking
1: up, site traffic was was booming, and, and we were getting a good consistent flow of reviews and, and kind of decided it was probably time to go raise some money and, and see if we could uh, hire in a few folks to, to ease the burden a little bit. You know, I, I put together an advisory board, actually, and Tim Handorf, who was the CEO at at G2 for a long time while I was there and is still with G2 and he's one of the co-founders of the company. I asked him if he would join our advisory board. Tim started asking me about fundraising and what I was trying to do. And I was really just trying to raise a a friends and family round, maybe $500,000 if I could find enough people to to chip in and and really just to hire a few folks and kind of keep bootstrapping from there or, or scaling from there. Tim was asking me questions that I suddenly realized were were more due diligence questions than they were, uh, helping me strategize about how to go get money. And and he kind of said like, okay, well hold off on your fundraising. Let me go talk to some people. And so it turned out actually that the five founders of G2 led a a little bit of a larger funding round, not, not, not anything big, but a seed round. We've raised about $900,000 to date, but, um, and, uh, Really, really fortunate. He, you know, he pulled in a few other kind of strategic investors within Chicago here and in the logistics space, and their support is so invaluable. They, they're they're multiple time entrepreneurs. They've been doing it for a long time. And as a first time founder and, and entrepreneur, their their resources and reach are just have been fantastic. So it's been. A, I was very fortunate that they were you know willing to, to to take this risk and 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 help me so much. I, I feel like a lot of First-time entrepreneurs don't don't get that, and so I felt like fundraising was a little bit easier than than most people.
0: That's really interesting. It sounds like it it came up almost organically from the way you're describing it. Like you were almost asking for to come on the board, and then they who who was the gentleman again? You mentioned Tim, his, did you... Yeah,
1: his name. Yeah, his name's Tim Handorf. He's actually our executive chairman now as well. So
0: okay, so Tim basically like it sort of naturally, organically, kind of he led the round almost it sounds like and then also wanted to like mentor you is that is that what I'm hearing correctly or
1: yeah he's been a great mentor since and and Tim and I talk a lot and often and and he's a, a wealth of knowledge so I'm I'm always appreciative of his insight
0: I guess for like the last couple minutes I just want to just out of curiosity how do you deal with the stress of being an entrepreneur because I know that like obviously like once you raise that like 900 grand or whatever there's that that this is real now, right? And now I actually have to like make this happen, at least putting my best foot forward and just making, working my ass off, I guess. But how how do you, how do you deal with the stress and like the anxiety of like, just not knowing and just building? Honestly, I probably don't deal with it well enough. I also had my first
1: baby back in February too, and was literally in the hospital. She had just been born and was trying to get wires from the investment in on the same day too. So like I've got (laughs) two babies and two pieces of stress and two new (laughs) journeys going on at the same time here. I mean, frankly, there's not a lot of time to feel overly stressed, but I, I think trying to stay organized is probably the most helpful thing for me when it comes to stress. I think I feel the most stressed when I feel out of control with my organization, when I'm not when I'm feeling like there's too much building up, I'm not getting through certain things or certain tasks, or, or even know what I need to do. You know what I mean? And mm. and so staying organized for me always helps ease the the stress a bit. I'm I'm really not not great at doing some of those external things. I know I should be doing more exercise as a as a way to relieve stress and sure um, every kind of experienced entrepreneur i've talked to has been like do you meditate and i don't at this point but i know that it is a really good thing it helps calm your brain it helps ease yeah ease a lot of that stress that you get on a day-to-day basis or at least allows you to to not feel the impact of it as much and so i'm working on it i could be better at a lot of it i will say that that um Having a baby at the same time means that's a that lot. that's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. But like I'm I'm so tired at the end of the day that I, I'm not doing too much outside of work that I think would cause more stress outside of if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm, yeah. I'm very focused on like two things right now, and that's there's not a lot of time for much much else. So
0: no, I get it. And I, I feel like the the babies are kind of like a motivation to kick ass and to you know take numbers and, and whatnot. And I guess my last question for you, like, what are you using is like just some of your tech stack? What do you enjoy these days? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, we use a variety of things. What's so interesting is
1: working at G2, I was actually on the research side. And so my job for a long time was to go through thousands of software products and understand what they did and who their users were and what categories of software they fall into and Spoke with hundreds or thousands of, of vendors too to, to understand better. So I can be a little picky when it comes to software after all that, right? <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, but no, we're, we're using HubSpot for marketing and for sales and, and our CRM, right? And, and frankly, I've really enjoyed that. I mean, we use largely Slack and Google Drive and, and all of that for internal communications. I will say we use Notion as our wiki and we don't do it well enough it's a really cool and powerful tool when it comes to, to keeping track of documentation. And as we grow, I would like to use that more with, with where we stand today with the, the four of us working. We're all so close. We're all former G2 employees. We've known each other for a long time. Sure. Um, it could be a downfall that we we probably don't organize ourselves as well as we could, and part of that falls on me too. But do you guys use
0: uh, the... Google Analytics too and
1: things like that? Or... Yeah, we use Google Analytics. We use Heap as our product analytics too to kind of track user movements throughout the site, understand conversion rates. Make that one's sure... called Heap, you said. Yeah, Heap, and it's it's actually really powerful. It's it's been the most surprising tool for me, I guess, if I'm thinking about it in terms of of the value it can add. It's really cool to to track our page metrics and our, our conversion metrics of, of certain flows that we're trying to get to. If we get a user in to start writing a review, how often are they falling off? Where are they falling off at certain points? You can track all of that. And that's really useful for us when we're optimizing our review forms and our flows there.
0: You put just like a piece of code on the website or something like that, and then it tracks like kind of where they're going and they're falling off?
1: Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's just a few code snippets. I think it's really, I didn't do the implementation, but from my understanding, it was pretty easy and straightforward. And I was really impressed with their, their team as well. Their support engineers and their sales engineers did a fantastic job of kind of setting us up and showing us how the product worked and and exactly the insights that we could pull out from the analytics.
0: Interesting. Yeah. I got to look into that one. That sounds really cool too. (laughs) Yeah. um... It's awesome. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the time. If people want to reach out, Rob, how do they, how do they find you? Yeah. If anybody wants to reach out to me directly, I'm just rob at
1: carriersource.io for email. You can come to our, our website. It's open. It's free. As I mentioned, it's just www.carriersource.io. And yeah,
0: always happy to talk to, uh, to anybody coming through. Awesome. Well, I appreciate the time. Thank you, Jeremy. Thanks for sticking around to the end. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Rob Light over at Carrier Source. I sure did. It's really interesting all this data that's coming in for the truckload market. So many different cool projects out there right now like Cargo Chief, Parade, all these digital freight matching tools. And it's it's really great that uh, this peer reviewed site is coming up for carrier source. Anyways, we got a lot of coming to the end of the year already, the last quarter's coming up. So hope everyone is doing well. We are going to Technovations, the TIA event coming up here soon. So if you're gonna be there, Make sure to stop by and say hi to myself, Cameron Robertson, or Mike Sternberg, the 3PL systems team. We hope to see you there.